0: Welcome to Beer and a Movie, the podcast where we combine two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, sometimes achieving outstanding pairings and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste of failure from our mouths. I am one of your co-hosts. My name is Joe Hilliard. Alongside me every week. Dave Gurney. And oh, my, one of my favorites, David. Is, oh, yeah. Uh, this is the, our third chair this week. St- all the way from the sunny state of California. It is Kyle Ferguson. Kyle, hello. Hi, how's it going, guys? Oh,
1: real good, real good. And I, you... and I know most listeners right now have to be thinking, okay, these guys are jumping into the horror wagon again, and they're gonna, but no, <laughs> we, we, we've invited Kyle on for a very different uh, set of films.
0: And spoilers, there's a throat slashing scene that I can't wait to get Kyle's <laughs> take on uh, oh, later, later tonight. <laughs> But as is the formula, it's beer and movie. So why don't we get a beer in our glass and then you can talk about maybe the uh, fantastic pairing that we've come up with tonight. Yeah, I I hope it's a
1: fantastic pairing. Okay. So we're going to Europe, folks, uh, to start things off in this first half Um, and in Poland, to be more specific. And I've desperately wanted us to get a Polish beer of some sort. Unfortunately, what's available in our market would not allow that. Um, I think probably kyle had access in california but we we down here in south texas didn't have that so um we we went as close as we could we had to go over to the czech republic and uh get a beer that i feel like most listeners will be familiar with the name if not the actual beer itself this is pilsner urkel it is the world's first pale lager um at least by somebody's estimation And uh, its popularity was such that it has been copied the world over. And that name, Pils, Pilsner, Pilsner, it comes from this beer, okay? So this is the origins uh, of the Pilsner, at least in a commercial sense. And it is uh, hopped with those sort of uh, typically European Saz hops and the uh, the the key ingredient here in the water being particularly soft there's there's just elements in play that people prize about this beer it's one that i've gone to over the years but we've never done on the podcast before so it seemed like a great opportunity to get this european classic into our glasses
0: and given your reinvigorated love affair with the pilsner of recent note here on the show i'm expecting you to be very excited
1: yeah, as long as I don't have like a light-struck bottle and I <laughs> and it's skunky, but it, but it, I think it was good. And I went back in into the uh, the back recesses of the shelf to grab uh, mine, so that not even the store lights, I think, were getting it too much.
0: Kyle, you have the uh, VIP third chair chat with us, so I know you were able to procure this, where uh, even where
2: you live. Oh yeah, and this this was uh, from the local Bevmo um but unfortunately was sitting out at room temperature and there was but one case lone at the front of the shelf so as far as like light struckness i'll have to uh taste it and find out
1: well let's let's hope we have a pleasant experience at the very least we're getting a little european uh something in our glasses because this polish film that we're going to be talking about joe um it's kind of it's it's been on a lot of critics lists coming out of 2022 Um, it's one that was on our radar and we wanted to see and actually we're trying to maybe see before we got to our Bammies episode But uh, it, it didn't arrive on streaming until just about a week ago. Yeah,
0: I got it on Amazon Prime for six bucks Yeah, uh, this is Jersey Skolomonski's Help me with that. Say say that I mean, better than me. I mean, I don't know. Skolomowski. Okay, he is a very noted us. minimalist Polish director, of which I have absolutely no experience uh, with any of his films. Uh, I'm sad to say. Uh, that is a hole that is being filled tonight. This is E O, uh, the letter E, the letter O. That is the name of a donkey. And we are following the life of this donkey who was born at a Polish circus. We see a kind of trippy circus performance in the opening credits where he and his uh, handler, uh, I think her na- her stage name is Samantha. Uh, I think I have that right. Uh, that was Cassandra. That's what I thought. I th- yeah, I th- there th- you go. Yeah, right it kind of rhymes. Uh, they are doing their act, and then in short order, we learned that two things are happening. Number one, the Polish kind of public is, is against kind of protesting against the use of live animals in kind of circus acts. And the circus has maybe gone bankrupt. So all of a sudden, all of the animals are repossessed, so to speak, and sent off, which of course, Cassandra, is that what we said, Uh, is not very happy about. But now EO, our protagonist, is sent to a horse farm, and he escapes from there. And then he goes on a journey across Poland, which is a mixture of what he's up to, what the humans that he encounters are up to, and then some very kind of experimental uh, mood-based filmmaking that is very difficult to describe uh, it's sometimes. Yeah. This is a, okay, so you're thinking like uh, The Incredible Journey, or you're thinking some kind of Disney film where the animal is has been taken or or is not with their owner and has to go across the country to find them.
2: That's um, not- Onward bound. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's
0: <laughs> not what we're up to at all here. In fact, I would say that young children looking for that kind of experience shouldn't even maybe be seeing this film because there is brutal violence. There is hope. But there is also a lot of animal brutality as we encounter humans that both help EO on his journey, but harm EO while on his journey. Uh, Set pieces, he stumbles into a a football soccer game. He then becomes the mascot of the team for one night after they win a game. But then the hooligans uh, from the opposing side take their wrath about the loss of the game out on EO. He, uh, is like I said, at this horse farm, uh, his old owner comes to visit him to give him a birthday muffin, and then, kind of the only humanizing of him, anthrop- anthropomorphizing of him, <laughs> is he breaks out, and we think, oh, he's he is going after that owner, he's going to find that girl, and that's going to be the last scene. That is not the last scene of this movie. No, this movie is beautiful. This movie is slow. This movie is uh, telling us something about how we treat animals as a culture, as a society, as individuals, and the movie's just damn beautiful. Well, you've said
1: a lot there, Joe. That that was,
0: that, that, that may
1: and rank up And now we there get into with... spoilers. I, I'm gonna suggest people see this movie, how's that?
0: Yeah. But we cannot discuss this movie without spoilers. It can't be done.
1: Yeah, I mean, I th- I, th- I think it, it is such a unique kind of film. Um, though though it's done in homage to a film that that has a very similar kind of concept to it, um, which maybe we can talk about. Uh, but but I agree. I mean, I think that th- this is a film that. You know if if you if you describe it in too simple a way it it really does sound like it it would be sort of a a disney uh animal rescue kind of movie or you know or animal uh you know overcoming adversity you know the homeward bound uh type movie and that's not what it is um so it's doing something different and i think as you said joe as much as it's about this donkey it's really just as much if not more about how humans treat this donkey and how humans behave around this donkey and but then also the, the kind of natural the world surrounding the donkey yeah. and maybe this kind of you know from his we, point of view yeah from his point of view but then also we get these interesting um interesting segments where we're sort of freed from being tethered to an animal or a human and we're kind of like flying through the air. I mean, there's those shots where we're just kind of like, you know, moving along a river or in through the woods and, Across and also beautiful snow capped mountain. And as much as I do like this film, I, I like the film. Um, I, I think whenever a film tries to do something this different and ambitious, it's going to get a lot of points for me. I did find myself scratching my head mm-hmm. more often than I would normally do, even in an art film, mm-hmm. uh, me, I'm just saying me. Uh, and the, and there were some times where I was wondering, well, what is, what what's going on? Now that, I don't know that that's a mark of its failings or me needing to return to it and think some more about it. But th- there were certainly moments where I felt like I want to understand how this connects back to this animal or the people around it. And, and I wasn't always getting that. The use of the colors sometimes, you know, yeah. that red is this kind of recurring motif throughout it. Um, and you were saying like that opening sequence is kind of trippy because you're at this circus, but it's totally bathed in red light. Um, and th- there's like sort of a quit, strobing quit effect yeah, th- going on. And I'm and I'm not sure what that all meant. But anyway, I, you know, so, so I'm saying th- Really interesting film, some questions in my mind about what was motivating some of these decisions, but um, but I don't know, so something different, and I have to give it a ton of credit for doing something outside the box.
0: I can't wait to get Kyle's take, but let's quickly say that it won the Cannes Film Festival uh, Jury Prize. It is nominated for Academy Award for Best International Feature, and those proceedings occur this Sunday, and I'm kind of rooting for EO. As I was during the entire movie. Yeah. Kyle, we asked you to do a non-horror film with us this week. You eagerly (laughs) took our bait. What did you think? (laughs) Our
2: bait. Uh, well, for one, I am glad that you guys decided to get your token vegans' perspective on this movie about that's right. uh,
0: that we're all <laughs> about. To- that's right. We
2: can ask Harold, but he cooks meat.
0: Uh, who's our vegan? Oh, Kyle, <laughs> yeah. of course. Who
2: Who wouldn't want to eat horse salami? Because um, <laughs> that's a that's a thing I wouldn't think I had uh, would hear before I died that people were yeah. just going to make salami out of horses. Um, I I loved this movie. Um I understand what you're saying David about like kind of the especially the red scenes a lot of kind of the random not random not not random but um kind of the the disconnected shots of red of the forest and everything mm-hmm. the one that kind of threw me off the most yeah. um was actually the one with kind of the robot the robot uh, drone. drone yes yeah that was kind of a four-legged robot that I believe it was when that uh, soccer team roughs him up and kind of leaves him for dead in the field. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure it was right after that. Yeah. Yeah, It was when he was on the brink of death and the red, the red to me, anytime I see just like red overtake a scene in a movie, you know, I'm kind of uh, from watching so many horror movies, I'm primed to think, okay, they're like showing me violence, you know, this is supposed to be kind of like a harsh, harsh awakening or harsh reality, or uh, some like shocking violence, I'm supposed to kind of infer from this. Um, But I appreciated personally that I didn't have to watch anyone kick the fucking hell out of a donkey. You know, it was kind of, you, you see them approach him, then the camera kind of pans up. So the they're like sticks and whatever they're hitting him with. Well, we're we're kind of coming down on the camera POV instead of on a donkey. And then it cuts to this robot kind of laying down on the ground where where EO was. And you see the robot kind of invert itself to get back up on its legs, walk for a little bit, kind of observe a puddle and realize it can walk on it and then just kind of keep traveling. And I... I I don't know like the it being a robot threw me off for a second until I started thinking more about how that's how probably most people see a donkey mm-hmm. not really as a living thing but just the the machine that pulls a beast my of burden yeah, yeah like you're this this is a living thing though and I guess it's supposed to kind of uh for for me personally, it's a, supposed to kind of tie your mind to oh well, you're not used to maybe empathizing with a donkey, so let's give you the robot that you can uh, more easily like project your your feelings onto. You know you you recognize the the robot doing those things is just the machine to do your work, mm-hmm. um, and then cutting it straight back to no this was a this was a wounded living thing. Yeah, you know, so that's that's kind of where where that came from for for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good, I think that's a, a good
0: uh, reading of that sequence. I think it makes as much sense as anything because yeah. it really is the most obscure thought given. Otherwise, I think the film is very straightforward. It yeah. is how do we as humans treat sentient being sentient beings? Of, of, of animals. yeah. I asked you before the podcast, Kyle because I just didn't know if you have a pet. Uh, I meet Ramona at the door David <laughs> every time we come over to record yeah. you know I've got she Kai she's Shen. shown up on the podcast I've a few talked times. on the podcast and uh, I probably will in after hours today about other animals, yeah. livestock animals that I have mm-hmm. at my house um, because this movie made me think hard. Mm -hmm. About how we treat the sentient beings that we share this earth with and that's the point of the movie There's a title card or rather a credit card that says The purpose of this film is I'm paraphrasing is to show how much we love Animals and no animals were harmed in the making of this film Mm -hmm. and EO is such a lovable little donkey You know we see him we see his uh, close-ups of his eyes of his fur of his mane of his tail Uh, we see different people treat him as a beast of burden. The carnival owner, who is going to whip on him to get him going. The Cassandra, his his love of his life, if you will, who nuzzles him gently at night on the fire and gives him carrots and a carrot muffin every year on his birthday, say, don't you dare strike the animal. Mm -hmm. And then as he is taken from his home and then put in these different scenarios one after the other after the other you see the empathetic character the son-in-law uh, or the stepson mm-hmm. of that amazing scene that comes later in the film right it says hey you want to come home with me uh you see someone as you say kyle uh, yeah we're making we're, we're transferring horses to the salami factory, let's just throw this donkey on there. You know, mm-hmm. we'll get some more money for. In other words, the what are we? How are we treating this animal? We're treating it as a asset to be sold for meat. We're treating it as a beast of burden to literally carry our things. Mm-hmm. We're treating it as a friend. We're treating it as um, uh, several people treat him as a friend. How do you line up with when you see uh, the the soccer team? Oh yeah. my God, it's a donkey. It right. becomes the mascot that causes us to win the game. No, it becomes the subject of our brutality because we lost the game. Right. It opens up interesting conversations in a very artful and cinematic way. And I, I, I like this movie very, very much. I can tell. Terrence Malick, like a... <laughs> like a what is life and what are these beings and how do we treat them? But there's so little dialogue in the film. It's all done with pictures and emotion. Yeah. This movie's a success. Yeah. Well, and and again, I
1: think whenever a film comes along and and as you say, like with very little dialogue, um, really relying on the language of cinema in some pretty interesting ways, um, brings across a story that, I think would be very hard to tell it, it, uh, with the written word, even us speaking about it here. I don't think we're doing it, you know, full service. It, it really is one of those films that you just kind of have to experience yeah, without a doubt. to see w- what it's bringing to the screen.
2: Uh, one of my favorite things about it is the uh, expressiveness of the donkey in its lack of expressiveness. <laughs> um, I think there's but one time they like put a fake teardrop on its eye. You know, I think that only happens one single time in the movie, but the, the rest of the time, you know, you see some horrific shit happen. Let's say um, the scene where he unfortunately ends up uh, pulling a cart around at uh, what looks like a fur farm. Yeah, They've got a bunch of foxes and other... Kind of small critters in cages, and some guys you know, opens a cage and hears zap, 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 and just howling of creatures in the background. And thank god, we don't have to see any of this, but we're hearing this like animals in pain, yeah, electrocutions, a guy kind of yelling in the back and grunting because he's just doing his work. But the whole time, we're looking straight into this donkey's kind of un- unblinking eyes, and they're so just wide and black and you can just kind of project whatever you're feeling onto it to where i can feel people uh maybe less empathetic to animals or not animal lovers not really being able to take away as much from this movie as us perhaps because uh they're not they're not projecting onto the donkey as much instead of instead instead of projecting what you feel onto the blank face of the donkey they're like well the, the, the donkey's just standing there yeah well well yes but what would you expect the donkey to do right you know like i when you're you're seeing him and for for me uh you know especially in that scene you know like it it seems like he's like i i can't help you know i'm i'm just here i don't have the power to change anything around me he's very much just kind of go with the flow wherever life takes him next and and it reminded me very much in a way i feel like i keep talking about this movie but it it reminded me of come and see in a way
1: you've mentioned that um
2: where uh for anybody that doesn't know it's essentially a, a kid gets wrapped up following uh resistance fighters on like the eastern front of world war Two, and so it's like seeing horrific horrors of war cut to this kid's shocked face as he just is kind of taking it all in and and you're kind of experiencing everything through his eyes it's kind of the same thing but with animal cruelty through yeah. the eyes of a donkey instead yeah. of like human cruelty through the eyes of a child it's right. it's very very similar for me yeah
1: Yes. And, and and we see humans being cruel to one another
0: too, a little bit here in the film. We have but, to talk about that throat slashing scene. We have to talk about it because it so he It gets... was
2: mid sip when that happened and damn near coughed all over myself. <laughs> well I had he to gets to put back Eo... ten seconds and watch that again. Yeah, yeah. Eo
0: gets put into the back of a livestock trailer that's going to the salami factory the truck driver goes to a truck stop and then we don't see eo for another 15 minutes while a a drama plays out with this one character he goes to the mirror at the truck stop to get refreshed he meets a girl in the parking lot and lures her to the cab where he can give it's clearly a homeless type of situation lure her in with some food and then makes a crass joke she gets out of the car and i guess her partner in crime i guess or is this a animal liberation person? Just not the girl, but a separate character who we do not know, pops up through the window of the cab, slits the guy's throat, and that becomes a crime scene where all of the animals are unloaded from the trailer, given EO another opportunity to escape and continue his journey. It was so brutal and so unexpected that that's when I really thought, whoa this director is doing something so much next level here
1: yeah i mean I, I you know i think it's i think everything here is here for a purpose and i think yes this is a film about um it's it's a film about humans it's a film about how humans treat and are either or or sometimes are oblivious to animals and other times you know use and abuse them and other times you know but it's also about who humans treat each other and i think the callous kind of dismissal there i mean both the, the everything you know even before that the crass joke that he makes felt like a bit of brutality in there right because you know even if he's a well-meaning person like those ki- that kind of joke in that kind of situation is is very unsettling and very you know to, it, it you know because basically he's saying like okay now we're gonna fuck, right and he's I just gave giving you, her some, gave food. some food, right, exactly. And, you know, again, he, he wants to play it off as a joke, but was it really? And even if it was, w- w- you know, w- how does a joke like that land when you're talking to somebody who's homeless in a precarious situation, you know, scrounging for whatever they can get at a truck stop, presumably, but then you get this added layer of like, well, maybe they were actually in on something where they were trying to pull something over on the truck driver, you know? it's just the layers of (laughs) it it, really humans are terrible that's you know like what i think uh one of the messages here now again there are glimpses of i mean cassandra obviously there's some wholesomeness there i think her her love for eo seems genuine
0: um mateo i think has no ill purpose the the guy that that finds him yeah no uh, the guy that finds him after he's uh, offloaded and takes him to his uh, stepmother's house. Uh, And then another family drama unfolds that has a weird incestual sexuality to it with EO off screen, not having anything to do with any of that. Right. Right. This movie is so deep and
2: layered and interesting. That, that scene that you just mentioned is actually the, the one thing, not, not that I, I, Not that I disliked, but the one thing I didn't absolutely love about this movie was that one scene um, with the guy talking to his stepmother and it gets a little weird and sexual. Um, and I was like primed for that because I totally recognized her from the piano teacher. Yeah. Um and <laughs> Isabel Isabel Huppert, Huppert. You, yeah. you see her pop up and you're like, oh, what sadistic shit is she about to be up to? And, <laughs> and, it, and it, <laughs> but um, that she, does, she doesn't especially disappoint because you. a lot of the time, even when you're you know, the the conflict there between, you know, the the homeless person trying to get some food and the truck driver, you know, offering the food even for that eo was within earshot yeah. but for that scene inside the house with you know the the man and his stepmother um he, he wasn't there for that even really so right. it seemed um it seemed very interesting that that was there and i wanted to uh, see what your guys's take on that was well, well, as right far after... as how it applies to the rest of the movie
0: okay so right after we see this incestual twist it goes back to E.O., who's just been eating very well manicured, expensive grass in the lawn. And then those doors to the, the gate to the manor open up mysteriously mm-hmm. so that E.O. can leave and, and continue on with his journey. And to me, it was like a hand of God moment. Like, So now we're literally a camera on the back of this donkey to just see the humanity. And not just the humanity, but the the world that one sentient being i'm gonna use that term again and again uh is is navigating as it just kind of journeys aimlessly
1: yeah i yeah I, i hear where you're coming from kyle and and it i guess i questioned it too but i also felt like you know i think that it's natural that when you're making putting together a film like this with so little dialogue and so little character development at least human character development right that's a, like you're just getting these little like quick bursts of yeah. you know here's like a little that it, it was this moment that kind of expanded that in a way that almost i don't know i think it played with our expectations a little bit like you're kind i think if you're like me, and and you're used to watching films. You you keep waiting for that moment where there's going to be this expansion, and you're going to understand. Oh, that's how this character connects with this character, or this is, and it develops a little bit of that sort of dyadic relationship between the the stepmother and the and the stepson, briefly just enough to kind of almost tease you and like like bring it like oh this is going to get darker and darker and then it cuts it off you know what i mean And it kind of ends where it does and it moves i i I look at that more as maybe the director um and 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 writer kind of like making this almost like a little like kind of teasing us and just saying like okay look here i'm giving you what you think you want i'm giving you what you think you need is this really going to pay off in the way you wanted to? No. Let's go back to EO. <laughs> let's, you know. And I, I feel like that was one of those sequences where he took it about as far as he did. Also, the soccer sequence, I think, maybe kind of got to a place that was a little different. But I kept thinking that as we entered these little, um, you know, the vignettes that we get along the way of these various characters, the human characters that he comes into contact with, and seeing how far they'll take it and how deep those relationships are going to get developed and. Really, always reminding us, no, th- this that isn't this
2: story. This story is about this donkey, which I'm glad for. Um, one of like a kind of pet peeve is when a movie has like a really interesting concept or point of view, and it's kind of driving along, and then kind of gets bogged down in unnecessary human drama. Yeah, you know, if we've got like an alien invasion movie. I could give a shit about which two people are cheating on each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and it kind of, it kind of felt like something like that, you know, where I'm watching this animal go through his life and I'm all in on this donkey. Yeah, You know, yeah. I'm, I'm all in on, I care about this donkey. I love this donkey. And then kind of some other superficial petty human stuff happening in the background. I'm like, well, for what, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and, and I, that's, probably part of it too like joe said immediately as soon as that starts to develop at all the door opens and he was like well fuck this i'm out of here <laughs> and just kind of strolls on to the next the next yeah. stage of his adventure yeah um which, which I,
0: if, if i'm not mistaken is the end of the film right well
2: yes th- that that very quickly becomes yeah right. which you know at, at what point is he walking along the stream i'm i don't remember at what yeah, point man. between these of uh, these you know there's a bunch of like he's wandering he's wandering and now he's here has this interaction yeah, yeah. leaves you know there's kind of a bunch of those and it kind the of avoids came the three act right? structure there's a
0: nighttime but, stream when he sees the frog oh,
2: yeah. that's and, the one I'm talking about that
0: was early on because I was thinking to myself about 20 30 minutes in I hope this movie gets brighter because the dark <laughs> the dark composition with the natural lighting is difficult to see on screen when you're in a streaming experience. Uh,
2: especially because that particular shot was in kind of a, not like a fisheye lens, but it was a little bit blurry. And you could mm-hmm. tell it was supposed to be like, oh, this is don- the donkey vision. Donkey yeah. vision, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Donkey vision, yeah. I guess it's supposed to be blurry and a little bit uh, fisheye. Um, but watching him kind of follow a frog along, and then look up, and there's an owl, yeah. and there's a, there's a spider just doing its thing. And that, you know, as much as I'm vegan, I do have a fear of spiders, and that's kind of another thing where, where even me not eating meat, not partaking in any of that, um, do I value a spider's life the same as even a donkey or a frog? Mm. Yeah, uh you know, like I, <laughs> I <I'd> have to. <laughs> I don't want to put too much thought into that. Yeah, that sound like an asshole. Well, well, I, I should sh- answer that in after hours. <laughs>
0: I, sh-
1: I
2: morally, I morally should value the spider I, I, just I'm a, as I'm, much. I'm, I'm a champion I mean?
1: for spiders. I do, I do actually like. I, I try to like my with my daughters. Although I'm, I'm. I, I'm not good with other insects. I mean, in that I will kill other insects with, with, with reckless abandon, but yeah. spiders, I make the point to my, my daughters. I'm like, but they're the ones who help us in our fight against the insect kingdom.
2: And you and can bring them outside and yes, let them go. Yes, that's loose. what that's I fine. do. That's fine. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't need them anywhere near me where I can see them and, feel oh, that little tingle it. like it's par- probably on me. Uh, <laughs> but but, but even for me, kind of seeing the spider there gave me yeah. pause. And I'm, you know, the same as Joe saying, well, it, you have to consider it. How much yeah. do you value life itself? You know, because so- that's what, that's what you're s- kind of smothering out when you partake in. Yeah. Well, so, so how
0: on the nose then, let me ask you first, David, is the ending of the film? Because he gets put onto the truck to go to the salami factory and then gets re- there's a, sur- um, a circuitous rescue, if you will. But the end of the movie is him in line with a bunch of other cattle to go into the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about the running time of the film. I'm like, I don't think EO is going to make it. I don't think EO getting out of this predicament. Yeah. And indeed. Now. Uh, y- but we don't see it. We hear it, yeah. Uh, we know we, we are led to believe that that he meets his. No, enemy.
1: no, I'm not saying that there's, a, but I'm just saying like yeah. it, it pulls yeah. back. There's no, like there's
0: no implication
2: he's right. Donkey from Shrek decade. doesn't swing it on a rope right, to but, save his, buddy.
1: but like when he was being beaten, we're not seeing a graphic. It's, it's no, not, no, no, it's no. Not no. Correct. As if uh, it's correct. It's you just know, th- he decides to punctuate it with the this this donkey yeah.
0: that we have allowed you to see 90 minutes of a right. journey. Yeah, is met the end. Then, in my opinion, is the most likely end for an animal that's picked up on the side of the road. Right. Right. I mean, if we're going to be honest about the culture that we live in, yeah, I know but, you're a meat. Uh, I know you're a filthy meat eater, David. I am. And I was curious if uh, it how, changes how, you how I think it. about things. I don't know if it's changing anything, but how you <laughs> felt about the ending here?
1: Yeah. No. I, I. I. didn't feel like it was a dishonest ending. I didn't. I didn't feel like, and I didn't feel like it was a, a manipulative ending. I felt like it was a. I, I feel like it was an honest ending i i, I think that if you're talking about or if, if, if you're giving me this glimpse into the life of an animal like this donkey and i think this is a fairly common outcome it, in poland especially it's it's sad it is sort of uh frustrating but i think part of the sadness i have is you know the the trajectory, it's the journey there. And, I, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure that I feel, like, would I feel that way if the story had been this animal having a, a good life on a, meeting on a working Meeting up with farm? Cassandra,
0: who has somehow uh, procured some land and now Eo's gonna die a happy donkey on a sunlit right. right that,
2: Make no mistake, this movie is not a romp. No, no, not And at all. what possibly us talking about it makes it sound like oh he goes on an adventure and look at all these fun things he gets up to, but that's yeah. it's not, <laughs> that's not quite accurate.
1: No, it's not and that's and that's what's so interesting about this because it really could have been that film. You know what I mean? It could have very easily become that sort of film where you root for the donkey and you're excited and and I think if if you're a viewer that has um some decent sympathy to them and that has some maybe, you know, predilection towards uh, caring for animals, then I think it's gonna be very easy to to get into the character and wanna follow him along, but it's still not a romp. It's still not, Mm-mm. you know, something. Um, and, and as you, you know, started out saying earlier, this isn't a kid's film as much as you might no. think like, okay, the story the of a donkey- Animal film made for adults. Right, um, it, it's, a, it's a human film, it's a film, Yes, about a donkey, but it's very much about humanity and it's and in all warts and all with humanity. Kyle, what
2: did you think of the ending? Uh well, when it, when it when it cut to black, I literally went, no, yeah. And I held that for like 15 seconds. I was like, no. And then it came up with a title card. I'm like, fuck, I guess that's it. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It yeah. was just so, so Bleak and sad and heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, to, to ask a question back, I'm sure it hit you guys the same for, you know, for EO and his tale. Yeah. What do you feel for the cows next to him ah, as the screen question, cuts Kyle. to black? That's a good that's, question. You know, I, I'm coming in here not to be uh, too violent or angry of a vegan, but tell me what the difference is.
0: No, I think that's very much the filmmaker's point, is that these you are know. all, ready for it, sentient beings.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and if they, we're they going to fall feel... in
0: love, if we're going to fall in love with, what's a cow from a movie? Cow, right? The, the first cow. First cow. Yeah. If that, if that one gets stardom in a movie, and then we feel this love, this emotion toward it, yeah. well, how do we feel about the other cow, and the endless number of cows that are that we consume as a culture that loves beef, America. Um, in a state uh, that loves beef it's, here in
2: Texas. It's, it's easy to see the the fox in the fur farm scene, you know, screaming that it's about to be killed for its skin yeah. and think that's horrible and why would these assholes do this? But when people want a burger, they're not questioning no. all those other cattle next to EO just in line to be cut up Right. I I oh after hours is I can't so rationalize so it. Yeah, I can't rationalize it. I,
1: and I understand. I mean, like th- there there is something I I and I hate to say it. I mean, but but I I'll I'll try to be as honest as I can. Um, I think that. I I think that a, a film like this, I think, is being honest. I think it's doing doing some really important stuff, and and I'm glad that I experienced it, and it's a movie that I'll watch again, and it's yeah. a, and it's a movie that will keep me thinking. However and this is such a crass comparison i can't even believe i'm going to say this but i watched a movie called cocaine bear the week before with with bears mauling people and and the reality of the animal kingdom is that there is violence and that there are carnivorous animals that take down other living beings and so I, I guess on some level, I rationalize it to say that, look, this is part of the natural order of things. Part of what allowed us as humans to survive as a species, the way that we have and and to grow and that, you know, like to have the brains we do and all the thing is that we were taking in the nutrition that's available in killed animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the film so doesn't... There, there's a cultural and uh sort of historical element to what we do
0: that I think is natural. I don't think the film, I think that one of the strengths of the film is that it rarely presents judgment on anything that we've seen. No. yeah, It's it's only harsh truths and
2: that's it. Right.
0: I mean, so the violence in the cab of the truck with the guy that pops up and slits that guy's throat, it's a thing that occurs in the movie. There's no judgment toward it. The hooligans that beat EO there's no real judgment. It's just a thing that occurs. Luckily, he's picked up by some veterinarians that have uh, a compassion for healing animals, right. and he is healed. So, it. I think it's a a lens on various points of humanity with a device that shows you many many things, and for that, to me, that is its strength. It's it's like I said, a beautiful movie. Yeah, well. <laughs> we'll talk
1: some more after hours because yeah, I really I, have, yeah. I, 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 I think this is, it, it opens up and and the fact that a film like this forces us to think about, you know, what what our relationship to the animal kingdom is and, you know, other living sentient beings to use Joe's uh, term. I didn't here. make it up. I know you didn't make it up, but you've trotted it out a lot. Um, trotted. See, that was kind oh, of a pun, I, right? Huh? Uh, Fantastic. Um, that, you know, I, I think that that, just sort of underscores how important a film this is. So, it's yes, really, really good. I, I did, I did put in like the little, like, uh, little caveat there that I'm, I'm not entirely sold on every single, uh, especially, decision made in terms of cinematography in, the, in the film, but. Boy, am I sold on the concept of the film. And I should mention, I said I was going to, you know, like the the director, Jersey uh Skolomowski. Yeah, you know what? I has, don't want to shortchange the guy because it, he, I think it's Skolomowski. Yeah. I think has a good job uh, there. you know, has said that this is essentially a riff or a an homage to uh Ouzard Balthazar, which is a really wonderful French film um that if, if you haven't seen that one, I think, you know, if that had been on the Sight and Sound Top 10 list, that would have been a perfect pair. Yeah, <laughs> Because it would have been interesting to go back to that one. It's been a few years since I've seen it, but I really enjoyed, um, I, I actually did get to see that one on the big screen back in the 2000s. It was showing as a revival film uh, when, I, when I was visiting New York once. And it really was a highlight of, you know, my cinema going for, for many years, still to this day, I think of that as really one of the, one of my favorite times going to the movies. Um, and that one, I will say the the human characters get developed more and it becomes a little bit more a story about certain sets of those characters. I like that this film pulled back even further and I feel like puts the, you know, the, the glimpses that we have of humanity are even more fleeting in this film. So I'll just put that out there. Uh, We also put into our glass through this segment uh the pilsner urkel from from czech mm-hmm. the czech republic mm-hmm. it, it, not exactly poland nope. folks we get it we're we're not we're not saying it is but we're close close neighbors because border. we should
0: say there are some beer scenes in the film
1: there are and they were drinking polish beer i mean i actually yeah. even stopped it a couple times and was looking at like okay Labels. what's the label on it and that's
0: i've never been to a ribbon cutting at the chamber of commerce before where after the ribbon cutting a platter of beers is then well, presented to the audience and it should beautiful be beautiful pints
2: just yes. beautiful pints, tall yeah.
1: yes and that's and and i mean th- that looked like some good pilsner beer to yeah. me um you know because it was nice and golden and uh translucent like the beer that we were drinking here tonight um I, actually before we even say anything Kyle w- what's your feeling about pilsner or cal please
2: so i have never had this before um and when i saw the kind of lighter bottle i was aware that i had to be careful of light struck yeah um i don't normally drink things that i have to worry about that with yeah um i think the last time was like a heineken at a wedding or something like that you know it was (laughs) like not yeah yeah, it was was not my normal my normal choices um
0: heineken where skunky is rewarded
2: right and this i feel like um has like a real crisp start The second half, not even like an aftertaste, like the second half of the flavor um, to me does kind of have like a like a funk to it um, that I can't really place my finger on what it is. And since I'm not too experienced drinking things that are light struck, I'm not sure if it's necessarily that Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, like a specific European uh, yeast because yeah. I know the the specific hops that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, I know like the the Belgians uh, tend to have like kind of a bubble gummy yeastiness yeah. to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and since I'm not super familiar with with like the light struck effect, I think that might be what I'm getting a little bit here, but I'm not 100%. Yeah. Um, that said, it still tastes good. Yeah. It's just yeah. kind of got a little bit of a funk to make it interesting on the back end.
1: That's interesting. That 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 tells me that there's probably a decent chance that you you have a little bit of that going on uh-huh. with the beer because the the finish should be fairly kind of clean clean itself, yeah. um, you know, bitter, but like, like a but sort of a light snappy bitterness, um, almost like a, a grassy quality. And I don't want to shortchange
0: mm-hmm. the story that you told that there was one case left that was in the middle of the store near the window. I mean all of that really does matter. It does. I'm seeing a lot more stuff on social media, people like outraged with photographs that they take with their phone of a six month old expiration date yeah. on an IPA. Oh, and yeah. That, that happens
2: all the time. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, not, I think I, an educated I'm not public. to talk shit on BevMo in a main feed episode here. <laughs> but like, I feel like when I, when I go there, there'll be, you know, the, the sign that says seasonal. And these are supposed to be, fresh. We just sure. got these, you know, here yeah. they are. These are the new seasonal rotations. And a, a lot of them will be, you know, a, a month or two old sitting at room temperature in kind of a warehouse setting. Yeah. With you know, something like, on
0: the label that says keep cold. Yes. Keep cold.
2: Yeah. Drink right. fresh. Yeah. You store it 60 degrees. I, you know
0: I, mean? I appreciate the distribution system and the limitations that it sometimes has. I appreciate the idea that there is limited shelf space and freezer space and cooler space and all that, not freezer space, but cooler space. But I think that the craft beer audience is getting a lot more educated and saying, "Wait a second, these are just basic manufacturer not not suggestions, but requirements for freshness and taste." Yeah,
1: yeah, I th- I think you're right, and and even though I I detect a little bit of it in the in the, these bottles that we had uh, here, I I think that. Um, it's it's tough because I think there are a lot of dynamics at play that are keeping beers on the shelf um, longer than they should be. And w- w- maybe we can talk a little more after hours uh, Love to. about some of that. But, um, oh, yeah. but nonetheless, I still found this pretty tasty.
0: I did too. I enjoyed it. I it, did too. It all went back. Um, we and, know that Pilsner is yeah. your favorite style ever, David. And for me, it is one that I will tolerate. Yes. Most of the time, however, Pilsner Urquell ain't nothing to fuck with. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it has the reputation that it has for the reasons that it does. Right? It create it. It lives up to the hype. How's that? Just a yeah. real quick nutshell. This lives up to the hype. There is no cheapness in the glass. It yeah. doesn't taste like rice. It doesn't taste like a uh, Miller Light. You know, it, where, where they're Calling it a pilsner, but it's really just applying a a a, a style to a inexpensive mass-produced right. thing. There's care in this beer. It is crisp. It is clean. I'm not having uh, some of the snobby problems that you two have. Go ahead. Thank you.
2: Good. Good. Let, well, let us I and let let me say, I I'm not saying anything bad about this beer. I'm saying my purchasing of it could have been less troubled you know what I mean I I, I will make a point to pick up another pack of this uh, when I see uh, ones that will more likely not have that effect on (laughs) you and (laughs) I think
0: the BevMo in Southern Southern California needs to take heed of the notion that there is a handsome bald gentleman that might (laughs) pop into (laughs) any one of your locations and give some strict quality control and talk about it to a worldwide audience (laughs) Get with (laughs) it, Bev That's right. right. Fuckers.
1: Well, y'all get with us as we move to a different continent uh, with our second film. We're going back to that Sight & Sound list, folks. This is Uh, exciting. We've we've already done four at this point, uh, but this is going to be our fifth of those top 10 films on the Sight & Sound list, and you'll find out which one we're doing this week when we come back from the break. We're back and we are going to, like I said, travel to a whole different continent here. We're, going, we're leaving Europe. Um, we're heading east and we're going to stop when we've actually gone past, uh, you know, sort of the, the mainland of Asia and onto that archipelago. That we call Japan, or they call Japan.
0: You know, we have done Rashomon, where we enjoyed a nice rice lager from Japan. We have done Seven Samurai, where we did some uh, j- sake. Yeah. Uh, we have done whiskey when we a uh, Japanese whiskey when we discussed uh, the movie Onibaba. That's right. But way back, David, way back in episode five. Yeah. We enjoyed a beer from the brewery that we'll be enjoying this evening, which is Hitachino Nest yeah. from Japan. We enjoyed their ginger beer, and you t- reminded me that it was a very unpleasant experience. It was. We, we, uh, we I think we were doing it with Isle of Ginger Dogs, ale. Uh,
1: and uh, if I remember, that was when our, our former co-host... Actually, we did that with
0: uh, Anomalisa. Lisa
1: it was the same episode as Isle of Dogs, so we, 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 Did I have this wrong? No, that's okay. We, we may have drank it with Anomalisa yes. and just, but had it during the same episode because they were both stop motion anime. So yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I remember specifically that that was one of our first times where the beer just, it seemed off, there was something, it had been sitting on the shelf for like five years, we came to realize. Um, and that that was when our former co-host, Ethan Thompson was with us. And, and you know he may come back as a guest here soon too. But hope uh, so. And maybe we can tell him that we're we're trying to right the wrong of drinking a really old version of one of their beers. With these, I don't see a date. I, I wish I did. Um, I, I looked, but um, I, I the well actually that probably is the date right twenty two five. So that's probably May of last year.
0: Okay. Well, we're going back still, to not terrible. Kyochi Brewery out of Japan. Yeah. Hitachino Nest. This is their white ale, and uh, we allowed, allowed, we asked Kyle uh, to help us with this Japanese. We wanted to go to Japan on purpose. He said, you know, I don't think you guys have done many white ales on the show. I'd like to see a white ale. So to his credit, here it is. It's the Hitachino Nest White Ale from Kiyuchi Brewery out of Japan. And it, and it mentions that it's brewed
1: with spices and juice as yeah, well. Yeah, and it's a 5.5 ABV. Yeah. And w- the distinctive thing about a, a, a white ale or, or a wit beer is that it's using wheat in its base in the, yes. in the, instead of that uh, barley
0: malt. It's also uh, bragging on their website of uh, tart flavors of coriander, orange peel, and nutmeg. So oh, right. let's see so what So in the tradition
1: get. of the Belgian wit, in that sense so yeah i'm gonna pour some into my glass Uh, you mentioned
0: sight and sound we've mentioned japan
1: yeah tie us all together here so uh you know we we, we're we're going through that list um as i said this is going to be our fifth sight and sound top 10 uh film that we've covered on the podcast over our many now 237 episodes nice um but uh but this actually comes in at number four on the most recent round of voting that mm-hmm. was done uh, compiled in 2022 and this is the film Tokyo Story uh by the director Yasuhiro Ozu nice. who had quite a career in Japan and was was very highly regarded there but was sort of a late comer to global appeal at least in terms of wh- how his career worked um, we we don't have to get too bogged down in the details, but his films were often thought of as too specifically Japanese to really travel well uh, internationally. Whereas maybe the more action-packed films of your Akira Kurosawa's and, and right. uh, you know uh, and more others flashy. were were able to sort of uh, you know f- find their audiences a little bit more easily. But but nonetheless, this is a film that even though. Uh, it was released in 1953 in Japan. It didn't really make a global splash until quite a few years later. Uh, but once it did, boy, did it right. It, it, it really has come to be revered, not just as uh, Ozu's greatest film, but, but perhaps the greatest Japanese film, uh, especially of the 20th century. It, Tokyo Story is essentially a story of a family, uh, aging parents, who live in a remote uh, village, Onomichi, uh, in uh, Western Japan. They live with their youngest daughter, who, who's still in that uh, town uh, as a school teacher. And as the film begins, they're preparing for a trip to Tokyo to visit uh, two of their grown children, mm-hmm. and actually, and a daughter-in-law who was married to their son who, who died in the war, Right. Um, so, so a widow and uh and along the way stop in osaka to see uh i guess the fifth child right. of sorts uh they're there going there on the trip to visit them they're going to do some sightseeing uh maybe you get taken around by the family that doesn't necessarily all work out exactly the way that they had planned it but nonetheless they do have the visit uh, and, uh, and, uh, and other stuff happens. So <laughs> <Yep. laughs> we other will stuff. get to that. We will get to that other stuff. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I think as a synopsis to say, this is about a, an aging couple going on a journey to visit their children, yeah. um, and
0: experience a little bit of the big city of Tokyo. Yeah. They're children who, it, when they arrive, have no time for them. It seems like, or make no time for them could yeah. be another way to put it. And they find the most... The, the, the family member that wants to that wants to and takes them around do some sightseeing with them is that widow their their dead sons yeah widow Noriko yeah and this amazing exchange where the kids are like together and go hey can we all chip in and send mom and dad to this like resort place right because I, I don't have any time to do this right now oh neither do I I guess I am very busy and they do that. So yeah. then they go from Tokyo to this resort where it turns out that, you know, there's late night Jimmy jams all night long and keeps them awake. <laughs> and they're like, let's get out of here. This is for younger people. Let's just go home. Yeah. And they do. Yeah. Indeed. Kyle, had you seen this before? This was, this was a big hole in my film encyclopedic
2: viewing. No, I, I never have. And actually nothing from this director at all. Um, so thanks for the opportunity.
0: Yeah, I'd seen most of it. Or, or stuff
2: excuse, either way. That's a joke. Yeah.
1: Um, well, yeah, it's always good to have a good excuse to to see something like this. I think for me, my introduction to Ozu was a film that he made just a few years after this called Good Morning, which I would highly recommend. It's also, this is a Criterion Collection pick. And uh, I don't know if, you, Kyle, I think you said you have Criterion. You probably watched yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, and And I think uh, you know it it's it's definitely worthy of that Good Morning is also a criterion collection film. And it's ha- actually has some interesting overlap. There's two young boys who are very similar to the boys who are the children of one of the grandchildren, yeah. you know, in, in the film. And uh, and they kind of have a similar dynamic. It's it's interesting. It's almost like he he yeah. liked that little pairing and wanted to kind of turn it into a a bigger. I think film. you
0: lent it to me. Do you have it on DVD? I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah you lent it to me and Savannah and I watched it together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it was not my first Ozu film, but it was a big hole. And I'd seen it on this sight and sound, and I'd seen I'd heard other podcasters and reviewers talk about Tokyo Story, Tokyo Story, the best film from Japan ever, you know that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I asked the question last week, do you understand why In the Mood for Love is on this Sight and Sound? And I did. Yeah. And I do with this one as well. Okay. Um, I, I don't know Kyle as well as, as I'd like to, but I know that he has parents, and so do you, David. I do. And are did. you did
1: i mean i'll always have. and
0: i don't know kyle what your uh plans are for children i'm not even going to ask because that could be gauche (laughs) but i know that most of us will have children most of us are going to age and become separate entities from our children even though they are closely held to us at the beginning of their lives these were the conversations dave we were having uh uh, before the podcast tonight Mm -hmm. as as my last one at home blended family Three of them at college. My daughter, Savannah, appeared on After Hours a few weeks ago, is about to turn 18 and is about to be a senior in high school, is about to be gone, and she's going to go live her life. And all the expectations that I have of her or of our relationship today are going to shift and change when that occurs. Mm -hmm. And it's that deeply human thing that we all have in common Mm -hmm. that is given to us in 1950, what did you say, three? Yeah. And it is no less true today than it was when this film came out. This film is deeply humanistic mm-hmm. because no one should not be able to relate to this.
1: Yeah, no, I I mean, I, I think that uh, what, what we're t- dealing with are fairly universal themes. And yeah. Everybody has some kind of family that they're attached whether it be a family a biological family or or, or a family that one uh, finds oneself in guardians people who mentors whatever and those relationships change over time right as we age um you know we, we become less uh active in certain ways right again that the uh you know um i'm gonna forget uh shukichi and tomi are not uh r- living the resort life anymore if they, yeah. even if they ever yeah. were right when they when they spend that night or at the hot springs um they, they quickly realize you know no we're not going to stay up gambling and drinking and and uh and gambling. making a ruckus all night yeah. you know that's not who we are um the, you know when they visit their children they they certainly want to see the children and do all that but the children they have to earn their livings they have to you know their professions are demanding um in, in their own ways and so there's you know, I think we've all had some version of these kinds of, you know, not exactly. I get, they are conflicts, but that kind of creep into your life hey, over
0: time yes. where those relationships evolve and change. Let's say yes and no. I'll get into that in a second. Yeah. But Kyle, what did you think as a first viewing?
2: Um, <laughs> Well, you you started off saying you understand why it is on this list. And I do, too, Um, as far as the uh, universe universality yeah that's a word um as, as far as that the themes of it can kind of be applied to anyone um and i was seeing actually a lot of people saying that it is like specifically japanese and i mean it's called tokyo story um not being an expert on Japanese culture you know I'm I'm just watching this as a 31 year old white guy in California mm-hmm. so you know I take the universal aspects and I, I guess I kind of miss the part that's specifically uh, Tokyo so but I guess that's partially from just the way that it's filmed being so still and there's well, not a I lot think- of like driving action
1: that's specifically Ozu, and 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 I do want to talk about the his style, his because it's a very obvious and I mean I actually I use some Ozu clips. I don't I don't I and I've used Good Morning in classes too to give students a taste of just how profoundly different filmmakers can be with their stylistic approach because he almost never moves the camera. These are all very static shots. Um, he tends to frame things from a much lower position than most filmmakers will. Um, as, as many people say, that they, they point to that as being something Japanese, even though very few Japanese directors other than him do it, but because they're often sitting on those mats on the floor, their eyes their eye line is about three feet above the floor instead of you know what it is for people who are sitting more like four or five feet but you know right so so there's something very specific and he loves to frame things with the kind of doorways and uh and windows and whatnot like kind of as these frames within the frames that kind of group together characters so th- there's something very specific about his visual style. But I think even more so than that, what makes th- the Japanese-ness of this film that comes across to me, and again, I'm speaking as a a white guy who's 44 in, in Texas. And so th- this is as an outsider looking in, but this is something that I've read many Japanese people uh, comment about this film and others about is the the sort of surfacy politeness and unwillingness to really sort of break through and mm-hmm. say hard things to one another. And uh, it, until, until they, until they're forced well, yeah. to it at time. Right. But I beat th- this film is over two hours long yeah. and how much of a happy, brave face is on throughout almost the well, entirety sure. of this the film. Enti- right. A, a majority yeah. of it
2: like 80 percent so so many
1: times that this the father right will say like yes of course that you can just see like reading just past the surface of his face he's really saying oh really why yeah
0: yeah it uh he goes hmm yeah his son goes hmm (laughs) when they're when they're forced to when they're forced to sh- emote, when they're forced to think about something emotional, yeah. they just go, hmm, and he passed that on to his son. I thought that was fantastic and great.
1: I mean, we, we talked about it a little bit last week when we were talking about In the Mood for Love, Um, you know, the, th- that Japanese society, like Chinese society, tends to be much more collectivist in nature yeah. than our society, and again, I think part of what this film is showing is that actually some of that was, has changed and it was changing at that time. And it's probably, you know, continued in that direction where it's more, but still there is this sense of like on the surface, we need to all get along. We need to, there's not that sort of boldness of personality that you get with Americans.
0: Right. Until step one, the father gets drunk in, in Tokyo when <laughs> Which he Which is visits. quite a ways into the film. yes, yeah, but he's yeah. in Tokyo. He he intends uh, during his visit at some point to go visit an old friend. Mm-hmm. We hear hints throughout the film prior to this moment that he was a drinker at one point or another and yes. ca- caused a little bit of, I don't know, unrest at home. Then he gets wasted with his buddies and they start talking about their kids. And that's when some honesty is unfurled. Yeah. I thought that was remarkably interesting yeah that he let that guard down and was able to talk to his uh, his his, you know, his bros uh then at the okay so uh and I, I, Kyle, I, I i'm not trying to i do want to hear from you but oh yeah no you're fine uh, the mother when they on their way home uh the mother's ill and then she dies And all of these kids that have had no time for their parents, like they even say, I guess we're obligated to go. You know, there's not a lot. And there is some emotional breakdown. But then you begin to see that one sister who's just been such a bitch. She gay. Yeah. Hey, I want to get that possession. (laughs) I want to get that. Come on. Get that thing. The sash. Yeah. 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 And. And the the daughter who still lives with them is like okay whatever, but then she gets to have an honest moment with yeah. the widow. Yes, and she speaks her mind. And what I think we're seeing more than anything, and interestingly, in 1953, because it was a contemporary film, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that was his o- Ozu's like commentary about generational shifting? Yeah. And it's only gotten worse. That these old culture of respect and politeness and, and family is shifting in 1953 to a more, I don't want to say selfish or individualistic yeah, yeah. approach. And we've only seen it get worse from there if worse is a judgment that is accurate. It's just, it's different, certainly. Yeah. But having gone through the death of both of my parents within the last two or three years yeah. or two or three months for my mom. This movie hits home. Yeah. And it's that universal, your parents are going to age. You are going to be different than them. You're going to be distant from them from times. And then they're going to be gone. And then you're going to be sitting there saying, as the one son did, I wasn't a good son. Not that I'm doing that, but I wasn't a good son. Or I wish that when they were in Tokyo and visiting us, we would have done some things a little bit differently than we did yeah but you can't what was the quote that the son says you can't be a good son you can't honor your parents when they're in their grave i can't i can't remember yeah that's close yeah
2: watch so watching this for the first time i felt like it took me a little while to even kind of suss out the everybody's relationships to each other and where everybody kind of fits into this little you know this little web Um, And I I appreciated you're know, talking about the the way it's shot and how still it is. There was a couple uh, really cool scenes, I thought, where people kind of slowly trickle into a room and all kind of sit down to maybe share a meal or just kind of talk to each other. But instead of sitting in a circle to where us watching from one angle, some people would be obscured, they kind of sat in like a like a domino like staggered pattern
1: Mm -hmm. so
2: that you can clearly see everyone's face from like a side profile yeah and that was that was pretty interesting because there was a good six seven people in a room at one point and being able to kind of clearly see everyone's face at who's talking to who you know and then as soon as someone starts speaking the camera kind of it cuts to just them looking right at the camera yeah saying exact you know so just basically talking at at you right um and i I appreciated that as well um i feel like it took kind of a long time um for some of these things to to have an emotional payoff Mm -hmm. um just because of the the way it's paced and kind of takes its time um which isn't a bad thing you know okay. it's just a matter of you know all these years later and in america we have less patience for stuff like that you know yeah um so so you know watching it i'm, I'm kind of going okay <laughs> i like i like i get i get i'm like okay i get the dynamics yeah uh, i'm just like waiting for i get you know Joe said it hit hard and there is like emotional gut punches at the end yeah. um it just kind of took a really long time to get there um yeah. and i'm glad that they did work when it hit um because it makes you feel like that's what all of this was for just yeah. for those couple couple moments towards the end to really really punch you kyle um, the, direct,
0: the director is giving you these um five ten second shots of randomness in both tokyo and the smaller village that they live in did that Mm -hmm. work for both of y'all as far as just like it's another part of his style for sure i mean if you if
1: you watch uh you know his films he he often he likes to sort of almost give you these little like uh establishing shot times a hundred yeah, like, and I think of them as like little palate cleansers between scenes, where it's like you know he'll 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 put you into a little scenario, watch it play out, this conversation, this particular issue that's popped up, and then before we move on to maybe how that's going to con- continue or turn into something else, we get laundry drying on a line, smokestacks in the distance, uh, you know, rows of houses, and then we go children back. walking yeah, to right, school, right, right,
2: yeah sorry i was gonna say the smokestack specifically that's like such a good uh you said establishing shot because it kind of gives you the the vibe of we're in the bustling city now yeah you know the second you see just like billowing smoke pouring out of some buildings you go okay this is like the hustle yeah you know everybody's here just to like work and be streamlined you know and and then there's also the the scenes at the resort where it's mountains and beach and beautiful just kind of sand stretching out and you see the ocean and the the horizon and that all like totally contrasts with just like this this the city shots, yeah. you know, of that same type of thing where it is just smoke and people yeah. working and you know that that type of thing. It's yeah. it, it's so opposite from each other that you kind of have to get the point. Yeah.
1: It's and it's kind of interesting, you know, I think uh for a film called Tokyo Story and they're spending this time on the outskirts of Tokyo, right there, the, when they go with the the older son, who's the doctor, um, you know, he they're actually, as we come to find out later, maybe a little disappointed that he's actually kind of in the outskirts and he's not like in a big clinic in Tokyo. He's he's it's more of neighborhood a doctor. yeah neighborhood doctor. Um, but they do get into the city to go sightseeing with Noriko. And we do get, you know, like some shots of them on the, the, um, sightseeing bus, right? The, the, the tour bus that, that has like the, with his awesome hat. Yes. (laughs) I want that hat. Great fashion in the, in the film. Oh yeah. Um, but, and, and, and some like, you know, kind of like city sites. And then again, in some of those like kind of interstitial establishing shots, um, we we get some glimpses of things that are a little bit more like a cityscape, but they're pretty fleeting. And again, for a film that runs over two hours called Tokyo Story, not a whole lot of it actually is city bound, right? Like we're kind of reminded of it from time to time. Yeah. But, but you know, a, a lot of it's about how they don't fit there well, and, they, and they're and not. When of, they
0: leave and, early. Because they come back from the resort where they have had the the mother and father have had a conversation of yeah. like let's let's go home yeah, but what they don't say is you know the kids have no time for us we're not seeing any of the kids the only okay. one that cares about us is the widow yeah who's not even our kid but he's our dead son's wife yeah. It, one of the sons then do you think the parents had a good time says yeah they'll be talking about Tokyo for a while yeah and I, I think that that meant. This is their Tokyo story. Yeah. This is the story they'll talk about, about the sightseeing right, that they did. Right, and yeah. the, um, But you're right. The story isn't about their time in Tokyo. The story is about how they took, uh, took a trip to Tokyo to understand just how different their life was from what they expected it to be mm-hmm. or wanted it to be. Yeah.
1: I, I, you know, I do, I think that scene that you get between the mother and Noriko. When the mother spends that the, the night that the father goes out drinking, um, he, she goes and stays with Noriko in her apartment, um, which is too small to host both of them. But she's you know can, will let the mother mother in law stay there, and they have this very lovely conversation, which sort of gets to a point where you know she she basically says like you you're better to us than our own children you know like yeah. you you care more about us. And we, we really, you know, we, we value this relationship. And Noriko is so demure and so unwilling to like accept that. And I don't, it, it just, it, it speaks to like, yes. Okay. She's of that same generation and yet somehow she's not jaded and we don't know what her natural family don't was we find and out she that
0: she's a little more jaded than she's letting on. In other words, she's performing for them because when the father, okay. So after the mother dies, yes. And she comes with the rest of the brothers and sisters to right. visit at the yeah. house for the funeral, and stays longer than any stays of them. longer than any yeah. of them. And the father <clears> says, <throat> "My wife just just want to let you know. My wife told me how gracious yeah. of a hostess you are." Yeah, he says, and we, you know, my wife also told me that she told you that we want you to marry and move on yes. with your life and yeah. don't grieve any longer. She's like, "No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing that." Yeah, she she was exposing that she's got a life that they don't know about. But
1: oh, you that's not how I read that.
2: Oh, that's I, completely. I, I didn't I take read it that it. way either. Actually, I,
1: I took it as her being frustrated. Yes, but I, I didn't take it as being some sort of admission that her love for them wasn't genuine.
0: No, before. it's not. Not not that it's not genuine, but don't think that I'm just innocently pining away for your son. I, I, there's stretches where I don't well, think no, of I, him at all, and I imagine she's dating and stuff, but just not telling them that.
1: But I well, and
0: then the father gives her. Probably one of their only possessions of value, the wife's watch, yeah. and not his own children, because of, like, we're trading compassion and humanity here in a way yeah. that my my children aren't. Wasn't it striking how the son, the doctor, sees his mother in the coma, pulls the father and the sister, let's talk over here, I just want to let you know, mother's She's not, not going to make it through the night, that is all, and then he gets up and leaves, like, this, this very we're not really talking about the emotions of the situation so many scenes like that over and over and over again
1: yeah yeah fantastic I mean, movie yeah and it, it, just before we leave totally the, the that final uh exchange between the father and noriko i yeah. do i i mean i i hear where you're coming from but but i think and i think there's there is this moment I think that's part of like the breaking through the surface of the Japanese politeness that you're starting to see there, that she definitely, she's so touched by what what's unfolded and how she has been embraced by this man and his wife, um, who, who were, you know, like her, you know, parents-in-law, not her natural born parents. But, um, you know, but I don't see it as, as as being somehow like, oh, let me reveal this hidden part of myself to you. It, it was her expressing, I thought, like some frustration, like she's not finding anything out there. There's not another thing for her right now, or she's not found that thing, and you know, and and there's like some heartbreak there, and the, and the, and you know, again, she lost the son but maybe he wasn't the best partner either because you get some sense that maybe he was a little bit of a drinker like his dad right and hadn't you
2: know i i read some guilt into that too yeah when she yeah. was saying she went there's some times where she goes like a couple weeks without thinking of him once right and how do you tell how do you tell your uh deceased partner's parents that yeah. well i'm you know i'm getting over them yeah you know yeah i I think she's like admitting that from a place of guilt where like i don't know it's hard it's hard to sometimes face that you've like uh that that you are needing to force yourself to get over something like that yeah especially if you you know know what i mean and she maybe she is starting to overcome the grief yeah but then you have the guilt of should i still hurt you know yeah. there's a lot of layers to that yeah.
1: well and 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 that is i think probably a core theme of the film is this like how long do these attachments last and how deeply do they run and how like you have these people in your life right your parents your children your what like who you feel deeply connected to in some way but do you think of them every single second of every day i mean there may be people that you do that, but it's impossible to do it with everybody who
0: you're connected to. No, in I agree, that way. but I think that yeah. I think it's Ozu's indictment of a selfish generation. I,
1: I do, you know, I I, I agree. but also
0: acknowledging that it's what it is. But it's
1: like, but but I think it's yes, it's it's an indictment, but it's also an a sort of a an a, an admission or an embrace of the fact that it, this is the natural order of things. Sure. There's no way to like stay. Things can't stay the same. You, you have these moments in your life where you are deeply connected to this set of people, mm-hmm. and you're like involved in their lives. And a like again, having children. Like yeah. the, the, every day for me is about do I have do they have the things they need? Do they are they. Do, 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 do. But, but they're as gonna they get, get to older, how... and you're you're there with a lot of yours, yeah. where no, those are no longer daily concerns. Nope. You can have a day where you don't think of Hunter. Perhaps I'm not saying you do, but you could. And he's fine. And yeah. He's but then he texts me and thing. says, "Hey,
0: can you Venmo me some uh, money?" There you go. Right. And then I think of him all <laughs> yeah. over. Well, again. that's it. Venmo is bringing us all back together. <laughs> that's right. That's, that's what. <laughs> no, but but hold on. But I was going to say, but then there are times, especially as your daughters begin to, you know, as they age and as mine do, where what we had in common is what we had in common, yeah. and we have different things now that we don't have in common. And to connect over things is a little takes a little more effort. Mm-hmm. And if you don't watch yourself, you can be estranged. Yeah. Before before you know it. Now, when I say that the entire generation isn't the same way, our our, our widow here is, uh, as they all say no you had your own life too but you made your way down because you're showing love and compassion in a way that our children are not that i think is the indictment yeah is that this is a selfish generation right right
1: no i agree and no and
0: again only getting
1: more so though i don't want to shortchange kyoko in this the youngest daughter who actually still lives with them and
0: no 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 she was she was the one calling out her siblings yeah
2: Oh, I was going to say, one One of you guys mentioned, too, that they were kind of disappointed in, like, realizing that the son's not, like, a big shot city doctor. He's kind mm-hmm. of a more, like, local neighborhood doctor. Um, and that was something that, like, I picked up a little on, but I guess it's kind of, uh, kind of does go both ways. Not that, like, these parents deserve to be ignored or any shit like that. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> um, but you know as as much as they weren't like making time for their parents also the parents are like disappointed yeah "Quote unquote," yeah. you know, when your son is literally a fucking doctor, you know, like, <laughs> like that was what, just the sake talking. Of, yeah, what kind of guts does it take to be ashamed of your doctor son? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's crazy to me. Yeah, um, or so, was he just uh, uh saying what he needed to do to get along with the guy? Well, right, because the other guy was talking about, yeah, well, yeah. Plus, also, nobody's really m- mentioned this yet, but the 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 other daughter who's too busy with work literally like owns a, a salon yeah yeah you know but i i again not knowing japanese culture i feel like a japanese woman in 53 owning her own like beauty parlor it's pretty nuts yeah yeah and yeah. and there's not really a big deal made about that but that has to almost be more impressive than the son being a doctor right like i, think, I but it was I, a country I salon i would say that's <laughs> that's a huge achievement. You know what I yeah. mean? Especially yeah. given like culture and the time that this was released, it's like yeah. impressive to have a a woman character in that kind of a position of power, but also using that power to like neglect family. I, lo- you know, I love. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, a weird position. I it love is. film
0: as education. I don't mean to put so much responsibility on a filmmaker to educate, to educate me, mm-hmm. but I get, I mean, I'm a 50-year-old white guy in Texas who doesn't know a lot about Japanese culture outside of what is presented to me from mass media. And I rely on a film like this to teach me a little bit more about it, you know? And I'm talking down to the cultural uh, uh, not wearing the shoes inside yeah. There are no chairs or couches. We're kneeling on the floor. Mm-hmm. We bring in a table for us to eat food, uh, while we kneel on the floor around the table. I, 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 this is not my life, and I, I acknowledge and appreciate when I'm educated in these kinds of things from a film like this. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I, th- I think this, a film a film of this sort definitely gives us this kind of glimpse and, and again it's it's a glimpse back in time because this is a certain moment this is you know just eight years after world war ii things have obviously changed drastically in japan in in just the few years leading up to this film in, in a pretty huge way um it, it's you know the period of rapid rapid modernization is is going on um, it's it's changed where people are living, how they're living, wh- how they're working, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's it's definitely a film that's chronicling some of that for us. It's showing us some of how those traditional values are maybe slipping away a bit. Um, but But again, going back to where we started, at its core is a story that's so relatable about how these different generations do and don't relate to one another and how that goes and i just to throw in like a quick it's it's interesting because um you know this is a film i saw first in the early 2000s um and 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 really enjoyed liked it all right but then i had the experience of you know moving away from home shortly after that and going going to graduate school and my parents coming to visit us and then you know just a few months later after they had come to visit us my mom passed away and there was this kind of ever since when i watched this film there's this kind of darker resonance that it hits in me and like and it has me reflecting back on that experience where like and and i think i was maybe a little better of a son (laughs) at least in terms of i i think i made the time for them when they came to visit and everything but i remember feeling like I don't know if these things that i'm taking them to do are things that they want to do they really just want to see me they want to be with me and yet i i don't know so so there's something so deeply relatable about this film to me even though it is very specific and it is very much about a certain moment in a certain culture um with, with certain changes taking place there's something enduring and and beautiful and and really it, it makes perfect sense to me why this film lands on the sight and sound top 10. So Kyle, any, any final thoughts on, on
2: uh Tokyo story? Uh, I mean, it's like blasphemous to say, I guess It's not like my favorite movie by any means. Um, but uh, you know, re- rewarding by the end, you know um, it, it does take a long time to get there. In my opinion, you know, there's a, a very still, You know, if, if you have the patience for it though, to like sit and kind of vibe with something and like get into the characters and where everybody's coming from, there's some like pretty big payoffs at the end, Yeah. you know, um, even if a little, sorry, go ahead.
0: Well said. I mean, 1953, we know what the American output is around that time with Hitchcock and other things. This is still and long and laborious, but you're right. It's the payoff at the end
2: that makes it all worthwhile. You you, you got to stick in there. And I was, I was a little worried, maybe like by the halfway point, I think we paused to get some drinks or go to the bathroom. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, I'm not like super into it, but, but it really does take the, the gun punches at the end and kind of everybody coming to terms. It's, it's really once the mom dies and everybody goes, fuck, I've yeah. been an asshole. Yeah. And that's about 10 you know, minutes. Th- you know, like it's, it's, it's like two hours and 10 minutes to get to this 10 minute, a lot of stuff happens, but it just beats the hell out of you in that end time, you know? Yeah. Um, even if it, some of it kind of ends up being yeah. um, for me, unintentionally hilarious, maybe it's just the subtitling, but there was, uh, uh, I forget who it is talking to the husband, you know, once, once the, the wife passes away. And they're like, Wow, aren't you lonely in here? All by your lonesome, alone? It must be so lonely. You know, and just says it says lonely and alone and and then she walks off five times in a sentence and they're just like, Damn. Anyway, see ya. And just leaves, and he just <laughs> no. You're right. Like fuck. You're you're absolutely right. That I, is, I wasn't thinking I was it,
0: lovely oh. until you came.
2: Get out of here. Yeah, too. I was just like, thanks for rubbing it in, asshole. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's a good film.
1: Yeah, and 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 that was the same neighbor who had started off the film, kind of uh, asking the questions as they were getting ready to leave and and talking yeah. to them about their yeah. No, it's there's it's a nice sort of uh, bookend kind of uh, situation. I was just like,
2: damn, let the man mourn his wife. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't you? so alone you lonely loner
0: oh, fuck
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah the, 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 it's i i don't know the, the, this is uh i'm glad we i'm glad we get to tackle sure. this one i'm glad Glad we looked at some ozu and and i will say like it, it it's definitely worth anybody who uh who checks this out um look at good morning look at some of his other films it, it his style is a thing and and i think if you can get into his uh his wavelength there, there's some real some real beautiful payoffs because it is i i think part of that slowness and and that sort of methodical nature of the of the plotting of his films and where it almost feels like almost nothing is happening sometimes and then you get hit with these like oh that oh yeah that that stuff happens it it, it sort of it, it resonates for me in the way that like th- these are the profound truths of life like there there's these you know, moments of banality, moments of banality, and then something really important happens and it just feels, um, you know, it, 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 just reminds you how, um, unprepared you can be for the profundity of life sometimes
2: is I guess where I'll go.
0: God, yeah. that was beautiful. You're kind you. of yeah. like
2: lulled. You're kind of like mold yeah. into, a not like a trance, but you're just kind of going through the motions of like, okay, and they're hanging out. Yeah. They're, okay, they're all going to sit around and kind of uh, nonchalantly kind of shoot the shit and right. be very like surface level. Like, how are things? Good. Yes. It's, you know, all neutral, not, yeah. no like depth to the conversation. Right. Um, yeah. But then once once you like get to the ending, yeah. you kind of uh, realize the weight of all of their – Uh, lack of deeper connection earlier now you wish they had had more yeah you know they they chose to kind of keep it all surface surface level right and not really uh be that close as now we're like grown and moved to the big city there's like so much distance there that you don't really notice until way later on when they say it out loud staring at you you know while they're saying it it to the camera
1: right and then in retrospect it helps you to kind of understand how again how how deep those other moments were even though they were like it was important that you saw those like surface level pleasantries that seemed to go nowhere in order to understand how sad they feel that they didn't have the the experience that that was richer and deeper in some way but yeah Uh, speaking of rich, deep experiences, okay, (laughs) well done. We've returned to Hitachino Nest,
0: we have. Uh, after 232 episodes, I don't remember what we were doing 232 episodes ago, but if you tell me that that was a negative experience, I'll believe you. Yeah, this one was not. No, I don't know. This was
1: a delicious white ale that. Totally delivers on the promise of the you know the, the Belgian wit beer. I think it's a little less um, funky and fruity and yeah. th- than than you get with your typical Belgian wit. But there's kind of a a, a restraint
0: there. That maybe it's very Japanese. Correct, as we learned in the Tokyo story, they, they've are restrained. Yeah, but Hitachi Hitachi you know, nest. How do you say it? Chino. I'm saying? Hittachino Nest. That may not be right. While you're alive yeah. and while I have you in front of me, I want you to know exactly how much I love you and how much I'm going to keep you in my refrigerator from this point forward <laughs> so that on your deathbed, you're not left thinking that I'm selfish or not giving you all of the love that you need.
2: This beer was really good. <laughs> These beers don't have to be lonely yeah I will drink them <laughs> <laughs> I want to
0: put you in my mouth white ale yeah. well what what better sentiment
1: could there be for a white ale or any beer for that matter that's yeah no this this was definitely I feel like we've come full circle here and we we've done something important where where we have uh returned to a brewery that that we had not given a fair shake to and now we're uh we're experiencing them in their full glory. It's a good thing.
0: I'm feeling both Lucy and goosey and I'm looking forward to today's after hours.
1: Yeah, it should be fun. Um, Joe, are you going to catch us up on how folks might, uh, continue this conversation? If you need me to, I, I'm, I'm just, you know,
0: I mean, I I think what you're alluding to David is that the conversation does not end now that the podcast is kind of winding down and really only gets uh, started. And you can do that on all of your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash beer in a movie Texas. Let me start over. Beer a movie TX. Uh, go to our places. Go to the places that you like to go. Search Beer in a movie. Look for our beautiful black and white logo, and that's where you'll find us. But I have talked about a couple of times this after hours, after hours, after hours. That's Discord. No, I'm sorry. That's Patreon. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Beer in a Movie Podcast. Yeah. And if you go there and you give us like a few bucks a month, just a couple of shekels, like like less than a beer costs at your favorite beer emporium on draft. Yeah. If you're buying the kind of beers that we do. Then you'll get a bonus episode every single week. And Kyle Ferguson himself is going to join us on this week's. If you don't mind, Kyle, I hope that you will stick Absolutely. Along with us. And while, and while you're at your social media places, don't stop. Give us that five-star rating. Give us a little review. It helps the algorithm, David. Do, do what, what it, it do. Do what it do.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: You have just experienced another international new episode of Beer in the Movie. Until next time. If I had known things would come to this, I'd have been kinder
1: to her while she was still alive. Oh, 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 oh,